is Ronaldo. Oh, my goodness. You don't save those. Out of this world. Messi. 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 Things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross and Dempsey is denied again. And Donovan has scored. Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA. Certainly through. Oh, it's incredible. You could not write a script like this. For the fourth time, the United States of America are crown champions of the world. From the international stage to right here at home, this is FUVFC, talking all things soccer on WFUV Sports. Welcome back, soccer fans. Keenan Troy here with you for another weekly installment of FUVFC. A little special episode for us this week. Michael Calamari joining us for the first time making his FUVFC debut. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm excited to talk some soccer. You know, usually at the station, I'm doing some baseball, basketball, maybe a little football. And, you know, since covering NYCFC, you know, getting into the, the MLS and the soccer. So it's really exciting to get on the show and talk about uh, what's going on there. Yeah, as you mentioned, Mike, for um, our listeners that may not be familiar with the name Michael Calamari, Mike has been covering NYCFC this entire season for WFUV, um, doing beat games at home at Yankee Stadium, at Red Bull Arena, wherever wherever the team may end up. Mike is there giving us coverage of of every match that's happening within New York. So, Mike, glad for you to join us. But, you know, here we are, about a month left in the season. New York currently sitting third in those Eastern Conference standings. So, Mike, I'm just going to open it up to you. You know, you've been covering them all season long. And something we kind of talked a little bit about pre-show was that this is the first time, at least in my experience, watching NYCFC in the MLS since they joined in 2015, that the club has really had a foundation in which when they lose, they lose respectably, but when they win, they look really, really strong. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think it's also kind of a little bit of a culture change. I mean, since Ronnie Dale has come in as head coach, he's really shaped the team in a direction where you go, when you show up to the field, when you show up to the pitch, you expect them to win. And that's the expectation. That's the standard. And you, that's been carried out throughout this entire year. And most recent games, especially with these derby games, I know we're going to get into later in the show. They've been disappointing losses and the fans have felt that. And it's known among the players and the coaches. They know how well they should be playing on a daily basis. And that's the standard they hold themselves to. So it's really exciting to see that New York City FC is really competing at this high level in the MLS. And it's definitely something you can look forward to seeing because they are in the playoff picture as of now. So we could see more New York City FC soccer as we head into the end of November. You are absolutely right with that kind of culture change. And, you know, one of my biggest notes that I have was that when NYCFC joins the MLS, announced in 2013, bought by the Etihad Group, who was responsible for City, who recently became responsible for Roma, there was the expectation that they were going to be, you know, almost like a European club playing on American soil. We see it with the introduction of Villa, Pirlo, and Lampard within their first season. And, you know, Lampard eventually returns back to England. Pirlo retires from football. And then Villa kind of sticks around. But it was still this kind of, I would say, mid-2010s version of MLS soccer, which as a soccer fan, it's exciting because you have the big names. But in this post-Beckham joining LA Galaxy, 
it's really a lot of, you know, okay, we're going to take these, don't want to say washed up, but these players from Europe that have, you know, passed their prime and are just kind of collecting a play, paycheck, playing at a slower pace. And it's not really the direction you want a new club to head into. But then last year, you know, Dahlia gets signed in the 2020 offseason. And, you know, you have the MLS's back cup, which kind of, kind of cut short his first season. But this season, especially, as you touched on, Mike, you know, when this team takes the field, there's no denying that, you know, the locker room is in check. Every player in there, it seems that, you know, when you bring in these Europeans, sometimes the egos are out of control. You've got Zlatan, probably the best, best example of it, you know, makes the team about himself. And, you know, though he's talented, kind of takes away from, you know, the overall morale of the lesser, the lesser skilled players. So just from your day-to-day watching them play, where do you see the strength that Dahlia pumps into the team? Is it, you know, through the younger talents that they've called up from their academy divisions? Is it through maybe Maxi Morales, a player that's been there since day one, who's kind of become almost the sentinel of this, of this NYCFC team? And as they look to push towards, you know, November soccer, which, you know, we talk about, oh, October baseball. November soccer is just as fun. And when we get into the playoffs picture later on in the show, we're going to have a lot to talk about there. But where do you see, you know, the, the, the manager really, really taking control of this team. Yeah, I mean, you can see it in multiple ways. And, you know, I mentioned uh, just the atmosphere and the culture. But aside from that, I mean, you can look at a guy like Tati Casianos, who's really become a totally different player this year. I mean, 14 goals. He's top five in the MLS in goal scoring. He's the kind of guy when you go to the, you know, you go to the soccer stadium, you go to watch him play, he, he can get you a goal almost automatically. And he's got that kind of skill base. And I think that is a lot of credit to what Ryan Dale's system has been able to do for him. And I think you mentioned Maxi Morales. He's been great for the club this year. Uh, you could also look at it, this defense, guys like Sands, like Keaton Parks, their aggressiveness is really something to behold. I mean, they're winning a lot of 50-50 balls, and that's been the difference with this defense. So I think that aggressiveness on the defensive line and in that you know midfield is also credited in what Dale has been able to do with this club. And, you know, he's done a great job as manager, and they have started to slow up a little bit in the month of September, struggling only five points in this month. But he's still done a really good job with the club this season. And if the playoffs were to, if the season were to end today, they're in the playoff picture. So just based on that, it's been a su- success this uh, this season. You touched on a, a slowing down in September, perhaps, you know, maybe some tired legs, whatever it may be. But when you play two matches back to get back against New York Red Bulls, and you've only got one point for to show for it. That's that's got a sting. You know, we see these big derbies in Milan and Manchester, and just because it's in the MLS doesn't mean it's not as important to these players. They obviously want to have bragging rights within the city amongst the professionals. But I want to focus specifically on the game that occurred this past weekend, where you know NYCFC, you know, looked tremendous. They and especially in the second half, they were creating chances. If it weren't for you know the the Red Bulls goalkeeper you know, making some phenomenal saves down the stretch. Red Bulls very well could have left Yankee Stadium with only two points, excuse me, no points. They, they came all three because of the tremendous play of their keeper. But like, realistically, that's a game that if you're NYCFC, you're kind of scratching your head and saying, how are we walking out of here with nothing to show for it? So, you know, Mike, covering the team so much, do you, do you sense that kind of, I don't want to say aggression or, you know, that certain hatred between Red Bull and NYCFC? And if you do, like, how, how badly do these, you know, this 1-1 draw and this 1-0 loss sting, sting the players on the sidelines? I think it's 100% a brewing rivalry. And, I mean, you can see it just from the fans at the stadium being there Saturday night. You can see that the New York City fans were all in it. And there was, you know, there was a group of Red Bulls fans there 
that were fired up and they're ready to go and they're cheering the team on. It's definitely a rivalry in my opinion. And just a storyline. I mean, to take you back even to Wednesday night, that game, you have the eight minutes extra of stoppage time that eventually leads to the handball inside the box and the penalty to tie it. And, and we might, we might get to that later, but that set a story for Saturday night. And that made the rivalry even more great with these back-to-back derby games where there was a huge storyline heading into that game. And, Although New York City FC came out firing those first 15 to 20 minutes of play, you know, Red Bulls responded right back. You know, they haven't won a game in Yankee Stadium since 2016. That was something both teams knew going into this one. And Red Bulls made a statement, you know, they got their goal at the 43rd minute mark, you know, just before the end of the first half. And New York City FC really had to start a whole new momentum game starting up in the second half, and they weren't able to pull it off. They had some really big chances. You know, Tati Castellanos broke one in to the center of the box, but he didn't get his shot off and it was kicked out of bounds. You know, Rodriguez had a header right at the goalkeeper Coronel for Red Bulls. He made a huge save on that play. You know, there's tons of moments you can pick apart in this game where New York City FC had their chance, but Red Bulls come out with the victory and just the atmosphere of being there really added to the, just the state, the stakes of this game. And it made it that much more special. Just being at a bunch of New York City FC games this year, that was the most memorable one because of what the Derby atmosphere brings to it. Yeah, and, you know, you talk about them playing back-to-back, and that atmosphere will be alive once more this season unless, you know, they happen to play and meet each other in the playoffs, and if so, that would be an absolute thriller to watch and, you know, potentially go to if my schedule allows it, which it probably will because I don't have a lot going on personally. Um, But, you know, October 17th, they play one more time, but – Though that's a critical game, there's only five points that separate ninth place Columbus Crew and third place New York City FC. And the rest of NYCFC's schedule is strictly Eastern Conference team. So pretty much every game is a must win pending, you know, the results of other matches. But definitely they have their fate in their own hands. So, you know, you circle that game on your calendar saying, okay, it's our rival. This is like before the reschedulation of the one derby game that was made up because of rain, you're looking at this game like this is a must win for us. So my question to you, Mike, is like, do you see, you know, perhaps tactically resting legs in other matches leading up to it? Granted, they play at, they play Nashville right in front of them. So theoretically you could rest some legs against a not so great Nashville side, but do you want to, you know, predicate the or predicate the the wins ahead of New York Red Bulls saying okay we're going to go out there every match strong we're going to win and then you know if we have to you know not start our usual starting 11 against Red Bulls we're fine doing that as so long as you know we get the points against Chicago and then we get the points against Nashville or do you say okay you know we can rest some legs in those matches just because of the strength of the opponent and that way you know that Red Bull match we really need to win and we really need to field our best healthy 11 for that match on the 17th. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting idea you bring up because, I mean, looking at their upcoming games, they've got Chicago first, then they go out, they have uh, Nashville they host at home, then they have Red Bulls, Atlanta, then DC United back at home. So, you know, they've got some games where they can rest guys. You know, you think you can maybe rest some guys against Chicago. That's a game maybe you can take off a little bit. But it's tough, like you mentioned. I mean, I wrote down almost a very similar stat in my notes between uh, where the New York City FC is third and seventh place where Montreal is, it's separated by just two points. And that's third place versus the bottom of the playoff bracket in the Eastern Conference. So there's not a lot of wiggle room. The New York City FC has had a lot of red cards. You know, Tati Castellanos had a red card against 
um, the revolution when they went up to New England. That gave him a little bit of a break. You know, Keaton Parks has the red card against the Red Bulls. You know, he gets that game off. So guys are getting games off in, you know, ways they don't always get them. And that gets them some rest. But I'm not sure if New York City FC is in a total position to rest guys, especially when you got Nashville and then Red Bulls back to back. Chicago is really the only game where I can see maybe, maybe it happening. But it's just tough considering we only have a month left in the season. And there's that such a small gap between – you know, top of the playoffs and out of the playoffs. That just makes it really tough if you're Ronnie Dale in the squad. Definitely seems so. And apologies for my misquote earlier. I saw the yellow logo of Nashville and was immediately taken back to the crew logo of days past. So apologies for the Nashville supporters out there currently sitting above New York City FC in the Eastern Conference standings. But Mike, as you talked about, you know, this is really the crunch time. And not to draw parallels across sports, but, you know, when you consider load management in, for, for example, in the NBA, you know, you're not the Lakers where you're already in and you can, you know, sit LeBron for three quarters against, you know, Oklahoma city, because you're trying to save them for a bigger game. You're in a playoff race in which, you know, anytime you lose a match, you become susceptible to dropping in rankings and therefore losing a home field advantage in a game or even getting knocked out of the playoffs altogether. So it's definitely going to be interesting, you know, in these upcoming weeks as November draws nearer to see what, you know, New York City FC does in terms of not only roster moves, but also in terms of how they play, play matches, just because as we talked about at the top of the show, you know, they've been a team that throughout the whole season has been very disciplined in how they like to play soccer. You know, I think from, the little I've watched of them, and because I'm not a you know New Yorker, I cheer for the Chicago Fire, but cheer is a term used loosely because they've been nothing to watch, even when Schweinsteiger was there realistically. But anyway, I digress. You know, they've been they've been a team that has seemingly played the same style every game. And I as you know, you're approaching these games. I just wonder is are you gonna see any changes tactically? for this for this side as they try to secure more points you know maybe it's a game against nashville where you line up a team maybe with five in the back against a team that you know is going to be that's obviously ahead of you in rankings though it's only by a slim amount of points but you know that it's a team that's going to like bring the best out of you in terms of your movement your possession especially the way you can defend against their counter so i'm just wondering for you mike at any point over the season did you see anything that might indicate that you know they're going to change tactics for their opponent? Or do you think that it's just so drilled within this starting 11 that we're going to play the same way week in, week out? It doesn't matter who's in front of us. This is how we play soccer. This is how NYCFC operates. And, you know, if we if we happen to lose, let it be through our own style versus trying to play against someone else. Yeah, I think it's more like the style, like you talk about. I mean, in one of the press conferences, Ryan Daly talked about how, you know, in between these weekday and weekend games, it gets hard to really focus on tactically changing things or really focusing on specific strategies heading into games. And I think that's what makes it tough because these games are one after another because they're so used to playing how they're playing. New York City FC usually plays four in the back with Tati Castellanos with the lone striker up top. And sometimes in the middle stuff will change around, but the basic structure of the team, I don't believe is going to change, especially with the back end of the season coming. If you make a change that works against you, and you're only two points away from the bottom of the playoff ladder, that hurts you drastically. I think New York City FC is going to take their chances, you know, sticking with the formula that got them to third place in the East. It's just about converting the chances they have, you know, working down the sidelines when they can, getting balls into the box to create opportunities for their goal scorers. You know, if they can do that, I believe in this team to make the playoffs and be a danger in the playoffs. I mean, 
it wasn't that long ago where, you know, they beat uh, New England Revolution 2-0 in Yankee Stadium. They're still that team. It's just about converting the chances when they have them. And I think that's the biggest thing for New York City FC. Yeah, definitely, you know, taking those chances when they come to them. Because, you know, obviously the Revs, New York, New England Revolution, the Revs, if you're a fan of, you know, MLS, you'll know that abbreviation. But the Revolution are leaps and bounds statistically in terms of points than the rest of the Eastern Conference. But as you mentioned, a 2-0 win against them, playing that system, you know, executing when chances arrive to them. And that was probably their downfall against the Red Bulls these past two matches is that when chances arose, they just seemingly no one could bury it. So definitely, you know, hoping that New York City FC can take the chances when they come, maybe stick to that style or maybe make little tweaks, but definitely still still revolve around that identity that got them here in the first place. But we've been teasing so much about the MLS playoffs upcoming in November. I got to ask you, Mike, you know, MLS changed their playoff structure. We're not going to count 2020 because that was a whole song and dance with COVID in terms of, you know, how they were going to organize and, you know, declare an MLS champion. But previously it was set up similar to, you know, Champions League play if listeners are familiar how that works where you play two legs you play a home leg and an away leg and if you're tied on goals you know the way goal rule you get an extra point whatever point to set you a hot set you above the team in advance but the mls has switched it now to maybe what we'd see in football um with the top seed getting a bye and then everyone else you know two through seven matching up playing one game only you know then we'll get extra time then penalty kicks but only one match and i think the biggest this almost serves as a benefit to, in my opinion, to everyone else in the MLS besides the revolution, because it doesn't matter, you know, if they're going to beat you nine times out of 10, all it takes is one moment, one match to shock pretty much, you know, the rest of the conference and say, okay, this team can come out and win, you know, watching NYCFC this, this summer and going into this fall, I think as we talked about on the show, they have the skill and they have the formation as well as the tactics to take over any match and command any match. So Mike, I ask you, you know, only playing one game, is that, is that a pro for NYCFC? You know, the upside is, you know, they only need to play 90 minutes of really solid football when they draw a tough opponent, if they draw a tough opponent, depending on where they end at the end of this end of this season, or is, or is it almost a hindrance to them? Because we see, you know, there are a team that, week in, week out, they play the same way. And so maybe you get the better of them one week on the road, but when they're at home in Yankee Stadium, they're a pretty damn, tar- pretty damn hard team to beat. So is it is it better that they only get one match against teams, you know, that they can come out, make a statement and win? Or do you think they would benefit more from a two-match system where they can, you know, maybe have a mistake, maybe not take a chance that they should be scoring? And then the second leg, they can come in, you know, and play and win. Yeah, I think just the way, you know, soccer is kind of built is that, you know, if you're a top seed and it's a one game elimination, it's a much worse uh, place for you to be in because, you know, anything can happen in one game and your whole season's riding on that game, in my opinion, is, you know, a lot to ask for. If you're New York City FC and you're a top seed, even if you host the team in Yankee Stadium, that's a lot of pressure, you know, to get the job done in one game playoff. And they're a very good team at home. I'd have a lot of confidence that they would be able to pull out the wind. Um, if there were a one-game elimination playoff at Yankee Stadium. But it's still a lot to ask for this team because they're a different team some nights than they are others. You know, they've had some, you know, tough outcomes. You think about the Red Bulls game in Yankee Stadium that we just witnessed. You know, there have been really great moments in Yankee Stadium, like New England that I mentioned. But 
you know, it's up and down and it's always going to be that way. So it's a little concerning if it's a one game elimination, but like I said, if they are able to get that home field advantage, I think that's going to be huge for them. And I think that's what they're playing for at this point. Getting that home field advantage is it's not just making the playoffs for them. They're such a much better. Uh, they're such a better team at home, regardless of that Red Bulls outcome, that that's what they need to lock up. And even if it's a one game playoff, you're optimistic. It's not the greatest system if you're the uh, New York City FC, but if you're at home, you have a lot more confidence than if they go on the road into a place like Philadelphia or Atlanta. Yeah, and, you know, we talked a lot about the, the gap between third and out of the playoffs, but also let's not forget that Nashville sitting in second place is only six points clear of NYCFC. So, you know, assuming they beat Chicago Fire and Nashville drops their upcoming game, New York would be in a position to beat Nashville head-to-head and take over second place and then only would have to play on the road hypothetically if they go and play the Revolution in what would be the Eastern Conference Championship. But, you know, there's always that element of what if in terms of, you know, can a team ride momentum and take down the juggernaut that is the Revs? We don't know. So, Mike, to conclude the show, even though this has been so fun, I got to ask, where do you see this team finishing at the end of the season? Do you see them making a run into the MLS Cup final? Do you think they're going to be cut short at some point in the divisional stage? You know, maybe the Eastern Conference Championship, or do they miss the playoffs altogether? Because right now, you know, we hope for the best, but as we said, it's so tight and so close that anything seemingly could happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the, you know, their upcoming schedule in New York CFC. They get Chicago, then they host Nashville. I mean, I mentioned the schedule earlier, but, you know, just thinking it through, thinking about where they could finish based on their upcoming games, I still think they're making the playoffs for sure. And I think they are a good enough team to come away with a win in the first round of playoffs, but I'm not sure if they're going to be able to get past that. I mean, I'm looking at other teams in their vision, like just take Nashville, for example. I mean, this is a very strong team. They have the same goal differential as new England, even though new England's really this goal scoring powerhouse Nashville's defense is that much better. So I think those two teams, it makes it hard for me to think in a playoff environment they'll be able to, you know, get in over them. But I think they're definitely good for at least one win in the in the first round of the playoffs. I think that would be a success for New York City FC to build upon going into next year. And then anything more on top of that would be kind of gravy for them. That's where I see them ending the year. Yeah, and, you, you know, we don't obviously don't want to talk about silver linings in terms of the season ending. But I think something that we shouldn't forget um, especially considering it now going forward, is just the amount of strides this club has taken to become, you know, what the ownership group expected when they were brought into the league to be not maybe not the juggernaut quite yet, but definitely leaps and bounds better than they have been in the past past year. So that's probably going to do it for us today, Mike. We really appreciate you making the debut. It's always great to see some fam- familiar as well as some new faces uh, talking soccer on the show. Definitely going to try and get you back on here though, because as we said, November's right around the corner. and Who knows? Next week, we would be having an entirely different conversation about how the heck this team is going to make the playoffs. But until next time, I'm Keenan Troy for Michael Calamari. Take care, guys. We'll see you next week. Talking some great Champions League, maybe some Premier League stuff in there as well, and whatever the soccer guys throw our way. Take care.